Welcome to the Sports Ethos Kings podcast. This is Jill, and let's get started. I know the draft is still on everybody's mind, but you know me. Um, we have some new coaches, right? You know, I know people are interested in in some of these new names. So um, I'm going to be going over uh, a couple of the new names, and um, then maybe we'll get into some of the draft talk at the end. But um, first and foremost, I wanted to uh, to give you a little background. Um, on all these guys. And it's, you know, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, it looks like, uh, Mike Brown is getting, you know, to essentially pick his guys. Right. And, and he gets to go into battle with his guys and the guys, you know, that he trusts. And so, um, I know we, we were wondering if we would get that ex head coach that, um, you know, would get that associate spot. Um, but we ended up seeing it go to Jordy Fernandez, who he has that, you know, history with and he discovered. And so um, he went with his most trusted guy who got the associate and uh, Jay Triano um, ended up getting the. Uh, I even want to say a demotion because he was an associate at um, in Charlotte with Borrego. But um, I think it speaks volumes, you know, of of his, you know, view of Mike Brown, that he's willing to, uh, um, to come, come get this bench spot and it not be an associate. So it's, it's a cool way that we got to see that play out. And I think when it comes to Jordy Fernandez, you know, um, I think I might've mentioned this last episode, but for those that wanted that young and up and coming name, you know, to be the head coach, well, you got that in Jordy, like, instead of it being, you know, the, the young head coach and the older associate, we got the opposite. We have, you know, a little bit older of a coach um, and then young up and coming associate. So, I mean, either way to me, it's, it's exciting that we get, you know, two of those guys essentially um, on staff and uh, you know, we're seeing more wins for the, uh, for the video coordinators out there. Uh, both Jordy Fernandez and Luke Laux are um, were uh, coordinators. And so, you know, Jordy Fernandez, again, we're seeing a player development background, um, associate uh, video coordinator. Then uh, Mike Brown had him go and be the um, uh, assistant coach of the G League, where Jordy thought he was, you know, um, essentially it said when Mike told Jordy that he was sending him to the G league, that he thought, you know, he didn't really want it. And that he was thinking it was, you know, viewed as a step down. And Mike explained to him that he was giving him a head coaching opportunity um, and felt like other teams would look at him differently if they saw that he could pull from that. Um, And so he sent him as an assistant G league, and then he ended up becoming the G league coach. Um, And so to me, you know, we kept, you know, liking that about some of these other, you know, candidates and growing your people, like that's what Mike did with Jordy. And Jordy said, he, like, he thanks Mike Brown so much because he, like, it got him that interview with the Cavs, right? The Cavs already loved him. But one thing that they did like was that, you know, he showed that experience, you know, as a G League head coach. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things we liked about Darvin Ham or he was an assistant so long, but he did have that G league head coaching experience. And so, you know, when guys are going in for those interviews, I don't think people pay attention to, um, 
how many coaches in the league actually ended up having some G League experience. So um, it's cool that it played out that way. And, you know, it's it's interesting, uh, you know, something else that uh, a former Cavs assistant GM said, who at the time Jordy was on staff during that 2016 uh, championship. He said, whoever walks through that door, Fernandez can relate to them. He's either watched it, lived it, or seen it. That's why he's so valuable. He gives more than basketball. That's why I think our guys got so much better and people liked him so much. He could read people and he knew when he had to get on them and when not to and how to treat them and how to get the most out of them. Again, we love a coach that can get the most out of these guys. But Another piece that I think that people don't, you know, pay attention to, and I know it gets talked about now of, you know, who, you know, are we going to have holdovers and, you know, coaches getting to, you know, pick their own people, but it is common for at least, you know, one person to, to stay around. Cause a lot of times, you know, guys are still on contracts, but some of these guys can work with multiple people. Jordy Fernandez is one. He survived five head coaches and three general managers in his seven seasons with the Cavs. Five head coaches and three general managers. So, you know, I know we want to have the discussions of, you know, letting people pick their guys, and I think that's extremely important. But again, there's plenty of people out there where it's completely okay if they stay around. I mean, we're seeing that now, right? You're seeing Doug kind of stay around. He's he's not that Game of Thrones kind of guy. Jordy is not that Game of Thrones kind of guy. Um I'm Rico Hines. He's been here since 2016. So he has lasted multiple head coaches. So if he ends up staying, it's not because, you know, oh my God, he's being, you know, forced on someone. A lot of these guys do have relationships with these guys already, and it's mutually agreed upon and they're well-respected, you know, uh, you know, around these places. It's, it's not like these are guys just being pulled off the street with, with no background. So, um, I thought that that speaks volumes of, of what kind of Jordy is that again, he would last through five head coaches and three general managers um, and still be talked about as someone that people love. Um, Another thing that I think people don't know about Jordy is that um, when he was first hired uh, with the nuggets, um, he was a front of bench coach. Now when David Adelman was hired on, um, it ended up moving Jordy to behind the bench. So they brought David Adelman on to, to work on the offense. And at that point, Wes Unseld was there doing the defense and it pushed Jordy back. Um, but something that Malone says is that, you know, and he's very vocal about it. He said that Jordy didn't pout, didn't put his head down. He continued to work. He continued to learn. And Malone said it was probably the best season that Jordy had had up to that point. And so as almost kind of like a reward, Malone ended up giving him the summer league team to coach. Um, and part of his job uh, that next summer was to teach uh, the nugget style of play to those guys, spacing the floor, playing through their big men on offense, along with protecting the paint, defending the three-point line. Um, but he says that he relished his return to concocting his own practice structure and quickly blending players into a team, a flashback to his G league days. Um, but again, like kudos to Jordy, like, I mean, here, it seems like that happened to someone you're going game of Thrones on someone, right? Like that, but that's not Jordy style. So, um, I'm excited to see that. Uh, it said during one of the early sessions uh, during that um, summer league that Jordy reviewed an offensive set 
and the proper defense to counter it. And he felt like it was an opportunity to subconsciously dip back into his sports psychology research about how a play's effectiveness can be determined by the team's behavioral patterns before the shot goes up. So you have a guy sitting on your bench now paying attention to team's behavioral patterns and then trying to match plays to those team's behavioral patterns. That's pretty badass. Um, And then when Wes Unseld left for his Washington job, um, Jordy got bumped back up. He came back um, and was given the defensive duties. And now he's an associate here. So again, like just things to appreciate about him. is he's just a guy that does his job and people love him. So yeah. Um, and, and you can say he has the associate experience where he did that for um, the Nigeria national team with Mike Brown. He was, he was an associate there. So um, that was cool. Uh, but next up we have Jay Triano. And uh, again, like we talked about Mike having an ex coach on his staff. Uh, well, this is Jay. Uh, we thought, you know, they might be able to grab um, one of the, I thought they might be able to grab one of the younger coaches from Borrego staff. Um, so to me, pulling Jay, who was an associate um, and having him come over here as not an associate is a win in my book. Um, Borrego says he leaned really heavily on Jay since he, since um, he himself had no prior head coach experience at the time and um, no one else on his coaching staff did either. And so um, we'll potentially see the same thing here, um, except for Mike Brown, obviously, who has it. But when it comes to the assistance, um, so far with the names, we're told Jay is the only one that has the head coaching experience. So um, one thing is um, he joined Terry Stotts on his staff in 2012 and played a big part of their offense. So the Blazers were actually a top 10 team in offensive rating and three of the four seasons that Jay was in charge there. Uh, their only outlier was his first season where they actually finished 16. So it was still almost, you know, the top half of the league. Um, Terry Stotts goes on to say Jay's an outstanding coach. Uh, He has head coaching experience. He's a great assistant. He has great ideas on both ends of the court. He's a great sounding board for a head coach, brings enthusiasm and energy and um, enthusiasm to practices. Players love him as an assistant. He has a great way of communicating to the players and can give the head coach's message. Um, He says, I just told him uh, in a high regard. And something that's interesting is uh, Jay actually spearheaded incorporating analytics into the offense with the Cleaning the Glass founder, uh, Ben Falk. And so for anyone that likes the Cleaning the Glass out there, um, Jay actually used it to uh, help incorporate um, analytics into the Blazers offense at that time. And clearly it worked. Um He's also, it's also says that he's partially responsible for the high scoring attacking offense. That was the Hornets uh, this last season, which finished eighth. Um, So if you listen to my podcast um, previously, I've mentioned another podcast called Basketball Immersion. um, And they have a really cool YouTube channel and they have great videos from assistants all over the world. And they're like, you know, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And you have breakdowns from coaches. Um, it's really cool. So Jay actually did one um, a year ago and it, the title of it is incorporating analytics into your offense. Shocking. <laughs> um, so he starts by saying during the pandemic, he wanted to do things to grow as a coach off the court. And so he got with fellow coaches from different leagues around the world. Um, 
Aussie football, MLS, et cetera. And um, they got together and did kind of like Zoom calls with each other and um, use sessions of, of ways as them to grow as a head coach or as just a coach in general um, during the pandemic. So I thought that was really cool. And I mean, to me showed, right, like foresight and initiative and continually wanting to get better. He then goes on to mention again that he contacted Ben Falk again. Um, and he said he wanted um, to try and figure out a way during this, you know, break in time, a way to be able to um, kind of recreate what they did in Portland. And so they wanted to bring it to the Hornets. And um, so that whole, um, the whole hour, it's like him going through PowerPoint slides, statistics, um, analytics, and then he actually breaks down some Hornets game film at the end. So again, if you're really interested, it's a cool watch, but again, uh, their offense went from like 20 something to eight last season. They had really good three point shooting. Um, they didn't turn over the ball, but again, like it's cool to see a coach, like try and build a plan and actually see it implemented and play out. Um, I know people kind of say that the Hornets, if they want to say the Hornets failed, where I view it as that team can, has gotten better the last four seasons and it's just a hard, you know, East, but had they had um, Gordon Hayward healthy, I don't think that they would have been in the position they were in and probably would have made the playoffs. No problem. Um, Cause they were like five or six in the, in the East at that point um, prior to Hayward going out. Um, and then that's when they started sliding. So um, again, kudos, I think to their staff for, and my, you know, in my opinion, getting the most out of those guys in and raising, you know, I mean, getting winning 10 extra games a year is, is not, are not easy jumps. Um, so we'll see if he can kind of bring that stuff here. Um, but, uh, some other interesting pieces about it is, uh, you know, for some that know Jay, uh, there's a, uh, inbounds play that's named after him. And, um, something that's interesting is that he says he stole it from, uh, watching an Aussie player while he was actually playing. Cause he was a former player and that he actually remembers Paul Westfall. We all know um, Paul uh, throwing them uh, inbound plays off the backboard to Barkley back then. And so he kind of like recreated it. And then um, he was the head uh, coach for the Canadian basketball team. And they were saying when he uh, before he'd ever tried it in a game, he actually was practicing it with with his team there. And who did they use uh, as like the guinea pig, et cetera, to, to try it out on? Symbolar. So another kind of full circle is that he used to use that um, he is sim, you know, being what was he like seven to five or um, whatever crazy number it was that um, he ended up using him as the as that. And then I think it was um, Tyson Chandler that ended up being the one that actually uh, used it for the first time in a game. And I think it was on the sun. So um, what's funny is he uh, has said in interviews that whenever it happens, he always gets um, text messages and, and emails and stuff from people after another team uses it. And, um, you know, so it's always a cool thing for him to like wake up to, to see the, the Jay Triano play, um, whenever it's used, he says something it's that he watches, um, he tries to watch all the basketball games and specifically, 
uh, end of end of game scenarios um, or any um, out of bounds plays um, to get ideas for um, that he can incorporate for his own, which is pretty cool. And that um, I thought something that was interesting too was Terry Stott says that um, he still uses some of um, Jay's. Uh, offensive philosophies when, or at least when he was coaching after Jay left. And, you know, if he comes back, I'm assuming he would still use it, but he said he doesn't use them all the time, but it's one he'll sprinkle in because he knows that um, other teams haven't necessarily scouted or prepared for it. And so they're ones that are almost guaranteed to work every time. So that's pretty cool on that end. And uh, the other thing is, you know, when it comes to relationships, Everyone just says that that Jay's an honest, you know, guy works works well with everybody, and you know he kind of has that long history that um, Alvin Gentry has, where he's a longtime assistant, and his head coaching opportunities were usually because he was getting an interim um, opportunity. But you know, not only did he work um, for as the Canadian coach, but that happened because uh, Steve Nash was actually the general manager of um the canadian you know team you know in charge of basketball uh for the country at the time and he had that relationship with jay because jay recruit as jay was a college basketball coach in canada and he recruited um steve nash and they ended up getting um their ferry ended up getting delayed and Steve Nash said that that delayed ferry ended up playing a big part of, you know, his basketball trajectory. And um, it was Jay Triano telling him not to stay there and not to go to his school, not because he didn't believe in him, but because there were better offers out there. And he felt like Steve would go thrive if he took those better offers. And I mean, how many head coaches are going to be saying that about other opportunities out there. But I think that goes to show what kind of Jay is. And as Steve said, like he didn't lie to me. He didn't sugarcoat. Like he wasn't trying to be a used car salesman on me. Like he said, I believe in you and I want to see you go do big things. Cause I think you can and go do this stuff and you will. And Steve ended up hiring Jay years later. Like we talk about those relationships and having that and how your opportunities come you know, that's a perfect example. And not only did he just coach uh, for Team Canada, but he has coached um, as an assistant for um, USA Basketball. So again, he has relationships there with players and and coaches. And so um, it just seems like he's another guy that's extremely well-respected and um, is is successful as an assistant coach um, where he goes. And so that's Again, exciting things here. Um, now, Luke Lauchs, he uh, is a, um, he also was another ex-basketball player um, like Jay. He um, did not make it to the league. Uh, he played overseas and came back. And then um, he uh, joined the Warriors as an intern. And he says that Mike Brown took him um, again. Mike Brown took him under his wing. So we're seeing another guy that kind of Mike, um you know, viewed something in and, and brought him over and uh, took him under his wing. And so again, another win for the video guys, he was a video intern um, and then was promoted to a two-way development coach. And then from there, it was as a development coach. Um, and some guys under him are uh, Jordan Poole, Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Lee, 
Um, but I think that's something we can say that the uh, Warriors have been, you know, doing well at in previous seasons, and that is developing their talent. And so, um, again, exciting here that they're they're clearly focusing on guys with development backgrounds. You have some guys that play off, you know, that that work in offense and defense, and and both. Um, and so again, like I, I'm just excited about, uh, the names we're hearing. And then we've heard, uh, hasn't been confirmed by anybody, but we're hearing Doug Christie's back. Um, but yeah, I'm just, we'll go to say that it's, it's exciting hearing some of these names again, like I'll say nothing's a guarantee, but if I'm going to fail, at least fail doing it correctly. And so far I can say they're, you know, hiring a staff like this. If it happens, that that's how it's going to happen. And so, um, again, get the best guys you can. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, the chips fell where they may, but at least do it the right way. And and the Kings seemingly um, are doing it the right way. So it's exciting. Um, I know we saw um, all veer towards the draft stuff right now, but um, I just saw a clip of uh, Ben Matherin this morning and his pro day, and we saw – um, Paul Johnson, um, Phil Jabour, Mr. Alvin Gentry and Monty, um, all on staff there watching. And so it's nice to see the four of them together and doing this. And this is one of the things that I liked about, um, having Gentry up there that uh, to me, it felt like that he was going to be used as another scout. And I think for someone that's been in the league this long, I love that. I'm all for it. I think this place has been kind of understaffed in, when it comes to scouting. And so um, seeing a guy like that, to me, a guy, Gentry being there watching is better than nothing. Like, um, and it's, it's not, a, it's seemingly not an empty position. So um, awesome. Uh, again, we're hearing a lot of the, the same names right now. If it's going to be um, Jay Nivey, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, another name that we're hearing that's jumping right now into possibly the top six is Dyson Daniels. Um, and Dyson's getting a lot of the uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Middleton comparisons. Um, he he uh, was comp to, in a lot of his physical stuff to Scotty Barnes, which is pretty huge. Um, but as a guard and he's a guy that can guard one through three. And so I could see why teams would love him. High IQ basketball guy, um, smart on the court can guard three to four positions. Um, very much another kind of giddy to me, like he was last year and we saw him jump, right? A lot of people thought he might go after 10 and he ended up jumping. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of possibilities still. We're still waiting to see, um, what the Kings do, but again, they're out there. Um, I enjoy it. I hope they figure this thing out, but again, thanks as always for listening. And, uh, hopefully you learn some new stuff on, uh, these assistant coaches we have. Uh, but every, I know it's kind of hot out here. And so everybody trying to stay cool and we'll see if the, uh, the Warriors can close out uh, Dallas Dallas tonight. I believe it's tonight. If it's not tonight, it's tomorrow. But um, yeah, everyone just have a, a great night and uh, go Kings. For 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.